1: Hi, football fans, and welcome to the episode sixty-four. Well, it's been a week of ups and downs as the Blues went and broke records to get the ninth win in a row, making history, only to go and lose away at promotion rivals Coventry. Joining me today on the podcast is Pompey Now's Rob. How are you, Rob?
0: I'm good. I'm good, here. I've re- I've recovered after uh, my night out in uh, in Liverpool. The um, I felt. That's a bit déjà vu there because I said that after we went to Sunderland, didn't I? I was on the podcasts after that as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm good. I'm good. The, I didn't really enjoy watching the uh, the game yesterday, despite it being free. It was uh, two hours of my life I won't get back. <sighs>
1: No, exactly. Well, we're going to go in and um, review that in a second. But first of all, we're going to go in and review the Tranmere game. And we took a little bit of a different approach. Uh, some of you guys already know because we bumped into some of you out. But me, Rob, Andy and quite a few of the other guys, Matt, uh, Proudy, etc. from the Pompidou Now team were at, um, were at the game. And we all went out together in Liverpool afterwards. So what we thought we'd do is we'd record our review of the Tranmere game in the pub after quite a few beers. So... Not quite sure how it's going to sound, but what we're going to do is just input the audio here, uh, let you guys listen. So me and Rob had a chat after the game and me and Matt, who did the last episode, also had a chat after the game. So here's us in the pub after quite a few beers, shall we say, out in Liverpool with our review of the game against Trammer.
3: I'm here today with Matt after the Portsmouth game in Liverpool in the Shipping Forecast pub after a few beers. And Matt, what do you think about the game today?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the pitch played a little bit of, of um, sort of style in, in terms of, of the way we played today. I, we didn't obviously keep the ball on the ground like we have done the past few games. But ultimately, as I said in the podcast earlier in the week, professional performance got the result and you know i'm delighted with that and and obviously a couple of results went our way today as well
3: no, it was professional performance today, wasn't it, Matt? You've got to say, again, the goal from the set plate, from the set piece, sorry, was was particularly good to see again because it just shows when you're... It's a bit of a tight game anyway. It's a really real weapon for
2: Pompey to score. It is, yeah, no, totally. And, and do you know what? Like, the, 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 we sort of analysed in the week as well earlier on that they were really poor from set pieces. And obviously that showed really early on in the game. As an overall, I really don't think Tranmere had much to them, to be honest with you. They had a couple of opportunities, but they fluffed their lines quite a bit, and ultimately, you know, it, it, we did the job what we had to do, ultimately, you know, and, that, and that's, that's always what you what you ask for in an away performance. I think we sat a little bit deep, unfortunately, after the second goal, and I think, you know, we kept giving the ball away and giving it back, and, and it just sort of kept coming back. But again, defensively, I, I don't think we did a bad job. We didn't really give them too much either.
3: No, I agree, mate. It was one of those games as well, wasn't it, where I thought the centre-backs today for Pompey were absolutely outstanding, Raggett and Burgess together at the back, really limited chances for, for Tranmere. And James Vaughan against his old club for Pompey, I thought he was poor today. He didn't get any sniffs around the box. And you could see that Tranmere were really struggling to get any real clear-cut opportunities. And when they did get a few, a uh, header at close range, et cetera, you know, they, they really
2: failed to take, to take charge of those, didn't they? They did, yeah, no, totally. And, you know, ultimately, I think the defence did what they had to do. As we said during the game, I think maybe against a better team, we might have had a little little bit more of a few problems. But ultimately, you know, we, we went up there and did what we had to do against a team of, uh, of that standard. And I think, you know, players like Ben Close coming back into the team after a little stint out, you know, they, they did all right, they did all right. I think we really missed Andy Cannon today. I think, I think he was such yeah. a, an influential player. But I, as I said to, to a few of the lads over the game, I think it wasn't really the type of surface we needed to risk him on. He's going to be such a big pivotal part of our season. And you know what, what's a, what's a game against Tranmere where we give him 90 minutes rest and and let, let him sort of refresh his legs for the big game on Tuesday against Coventry.
3: Exactly, and Coventry managed to sneak a late equaliser again, a late, late, winner. late winner even against had a few beers um, against Bolton today. They um, but Pompey obviously still in fifth place with two games in hand. How are you feeling today about Pompey's chance of promotion? Because the fans were singing it today, weren't they?
2: They were, and and I think if we can continue just to get the job done, ultimately I'm overly a little bit disappointed with the fact that we're not going to kill off teams like like we could have today. Tramia were there for the taking. I think we could have probably added a few more goals to the goal difference. But as I said, you know, job done. It was a professional job,
3: wasn't it, today?
2: Yeah, it was a a very professional job and if we continue to do that, you know, we're going to get out of there and and we're going to do this.
3: Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Bye. I'm here with Rob
2: today in the Shipping Force
3: class, forecast pub after quite a few beers, watching the game together. Rob, what do you think of the result today and uh, how did the guys play?
0: Well, it was class, wasn't it? We, we, we got a 2-0 win. Uh, it's just what we needed, really. Uh, professional performance. Um, we uh, They didn't really ever have a chance. Uh, they didn't didn't really create anything. Uh, and we took our goals well. Uh, Their defending was pretty poor with both of the goals, though. Yep. Uh, but other than that, it was... Uh, fairly nothing game really beyond that but we're near Liverpool and we're in Liverpool now and we're on the beers. We are indeed. So what a great weekend, is not
2: it?
3: Yeah, great weekend indeed, mate. And uh, obviously, it was good to see Sean Raggett get a goal for once, wasn't it? I think uh, the fans actually sung before he scored <laughs> um, if Raggett scores to go on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, we didn't end up on the pitch, but yeah, it was funny that they sung that
0: like, about five minutes before he scored. Uh, first goal for the club, wasn't it? Um, and again, the defending for that was abysmal and I, I, I think from a Tranmere fan perspective, I, I don't imagine there are any Tranmere fans listening, but if there are, you just like I, I, I feel very worried for them about uh, their p- potential staying up because their defence was
3: awful. Um, the defence was pretty bad today, but I would say that Manny Monte, who was particularly um, linked to Portsmouth at one point, looked pretty solid, didn't he, against Ellis Harrison at the back? Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, Ellis is the kind of player who, who battles and battles and battles
0: all the time. Uh, whilst uh, I think Manny Month got the better of him over the the 90 minutes uh, Ellis never gave him a second to to, to rest and really feel comfortable Um, and that's on that sort of pitch that's exactly what you want Er Ellis Harrison up there for rather than say Marquise who's a bit more of a Cute technical player, yes, I guess, uh, than, than Ellis Harrison. Ellis Harrison is a good player, but I guess. It, 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 jacket obviously saw it as a more physical game which marquise maybe would have struggled with and, and, and I just, it paid off didn't we because we won two down so
3: massively and last lastly rob um alex bass today made a real key save didn't he in the first half um getting down to deny the guy in, in the six yard box what do you think of alex bass performance overall uh, yeah again solid uh he's he's come into the team recently and he's he had that one game where he first came
0: in because uh big mac was injured uh, or he was suspended I can't remember specifically uh, and he, he smashed it and ever since then he's, he's become our number one and I think it's great to have two keepers that are quality league one keepers uh, but that save specifically it was right in front of us yeah. uh, right in front of the Pompey fans and um, I was convinced it was going in because he was six yards out but uh, Bass pulled out a ridiculous save and uh, that kept it at nil at that point uh, or it might have be been 1-0 I can't remember I think it was nil-nil. yeah uh, and it, it, yeah it, it really helped us to solidify our defensive position in the game and then we, we nicked something in the first half and then we nicked something in the second half and uh, after we had 2-0 up the game was all us really apart from the last 15 minutes where they were trying to chuck, kitchen sink at us um, yeah, but, really. but didn't actually get shot on target and I think that
3: that says something about Tranmere's woes this season I think the difference for me Rob is the fact that we managed to shut up shop and um, and you know stop them from, from scoring but at the same time unlike maybe before at Pompey we managed that set piece, piece play and the fact that we've got that goal in that we're a, a team that not just defended and, and stuff but also a team that got out on the front foot and actually managed to score goals and then we had the ability then to sort of close games out Yeah definitely
0: uh, obviously you look at the form that curtis is in obviously he's been fantastic and williams as well whilst he hasn't been getting on the score sheet as much obviously i know he scored today uh, but he seems at times he seems like he drifts in and out of games but you cannot ever fault his work rate williams uh, he's been fantastic uh, and even when he's not necessarily getting on the ball as much he's always harrying their defenders uh, making sure that they haven't got a second to rest, and they know that as soon as they get the ball, Williams is on them, uh, and he's got the pace to be able to do that as well. Uh, and I think that the defensive solidity allows kind of Curtis Harrison, uh, Williams, and it McGeehan today playing at the, the number ten role. Yeah, uh, allows them the more creative freedom to be able to create more chances. And I know obviously today, today the chances created were fairly lacking, uh, but. The ones that we did create, the good chances that we did create, were taken, and that that gives us the three points. And that's at, this, need, st- at this stage of the season, that's what we need. We need yep. to grind out results. Uh, we're obviously on a massive, great run. Uh, we need to grind out results. And we need to just keep solidifying our position. We're, we're six points off top with two games in hand, and it, it, who knows where it can take us. From exactly.
3: Here. And now we've uh, managed to do that cursing thing by getting those uh, nine games in a row wins. Um, history is made, as they would say. And Rob, we'll leave it at that, mate, because we'll have a short talk on the podcast later and on next week. week. And uh, let's go have some more beers and celebrate. Blue Blue
1: me, Rob. We were quite optimistic, weren't we, after the, the game against Tranmere? We were in a pub garden, you know, beautiful city of <laughs> Liverpool, surrounded by awesome people. In reflection, how are you feeling about the Tranmere game? Is it something that you changed your mind after the Coventry result? we about to talk about.
0: I think a lot of a lot of what I said after the, the Tranmere game uh, doesn't doesn't change. Um, the fact it was a professional performance, you know, the for once, I think Jacket got the tactics right. Um, I often criticise him about substitutions, etc. But but then Tuesday's result does kind of detract from it a little bit. Obviously, the, the turgid performance, really, it felt quite laboured in, in a lot of ways uh, against Coventry. Um, and I think maybe an element of that was that there wasn't any substitutions on Saturday. Maybe players were feeling a little bit not entirely fresh after a game uh, just a few days before. But then again, commentary had the same. They had a tough game against Bolton. And they just won. So, you know, I think it's kind of one of them where after about 10 minutes, you thought this is either going to be a nil-nil classic or it'll be a classic Kenny Jacket. Put 10 men behind the ball, don't create anything and then nick a goal. Late on, but unfortunately, that late goal just went to Coventry instead rather than, rather than us.
1: Yeah, and I haven't seen it back yet. Uh, Sam Stone, one of the Pompey news now lads, also says the Express FM said that there was a hint of offside for Matt Godden's goal. Not that we can, you know, use that as an excuse or whatever, because Matt Godden's come on the pitch. You all know what he can do. He's a goal scorer, he scored quite a few for Coventry this season, but that's a lapse in in Concentration, Rob, really isn't it? To let a striker who's just come off the bench, really, with his first touch, come on and, and get the goal,
0: yeah, definitely. Um, I think maybe the Pompey centre backs thought that the game was pretty much done, or there was, as you say, just a lapse in concentration, or that, or they thought he was offside, but even then, you've got to play to the whistle, and it's just disappointing. that that happened he took his goal very well though I must say it was a good finish on the turn Um, but then even after that we had one chance that Harrison somehow put over the bar when it looked in some ways easier to score than it did to miss Um, and he had one just after he came on as well Uh, so there were kind of chances there that if we'd taken the result could have been different but it wasn't yeah, to
1: be. One of those things, really, because I thought that, you know, the first half, you had John Marcos starting up front. Kenny Jacket came out and he said after the game, the reason why that was is he thought Ellis might be a little bit tired after playing on that that leggy pitch, shall we say, against Tranmere, um, in which Jacket didn't make any substitutions at all. So he sort of rode him through the Tranmere game and decided to start uh, John Marcos up front. John Marcos didn't really get any service, did he, Rob? But, at the same time, when you're playing that very direct style of football, which Pompey did against Coventry, is Marcus the right person to put up top, or if you're going to play that way, you know, do you just start Ellis Harrison anyway, or even Ollie Hawkins at that rate?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? I think Jacket went into the game hoping that the the midfield three of uh, McGee and Close and Naylor would would really win control of the midfield and be able to dictate the game. But it never really happened because the, the two teams were obviously going into the game in really good form. Uh, and Coventry were trying to do the same thing with their midfield and it ended up becoming a bit of a bit of a scrap and no one could really control the ball. And so both sides were were losing possession quite regularly, which turned it into quite a as I said earlier, a turgid game. Uh, which happens sometimes when you have two two really good teams, what well, two teams in really good form come up against each other. I think what it did show though was how much we miss Cannon against Tranmere. It showed. Uh, I know Matt said earlier in the audio you just heard. It showed how much we missed him against Tranmere, and I think it also showed how much we missed him in a game like against Coventry. Because you look at a couple of weeks ago when we played Barnsley how much Cannon dictated that game against a team in a higher higher division. Uh, And him obviously being out injured was frustrating because he really dictates that midfield from behind the striker. And if we had him, I think maybe that link up with Marquise would have been a lot better. would have been able to win the ball back and hold it more. But when you don't have that link in there, it's difficult to see how Marquise fits in that system in a game like that. Um...
1: Exactly, Rob. So I'm just I'm just thinking about with Cannon in the system. Do you think it's because it does provide that opportunity for some of the players to to get on the boards, to push out? Because Pompey were so deep again, weren't they yesterday? And you know, whilst if you're playing against the likes of Tranmere or you know some lesser opposition, shall we say, you can get away with it, can't you? Nicking a few goals away from home and and getting a result. But and that's not it away from Pompey's performances recently because we've been fantastic as a team. You know nine wins in a row but when you face you know the big boys away from home and Coventry certainly are up there as a you know title challengers for the season do you think you need to have those players like Cannon in the team to play football or you need to decide to go long and play the personnel that allow you to do that
0: I mean I think it's a bit of a bit of both really I think in our system in our recent form one of the key aspects has been Cannon playing really well in the way that he drives forwards, he creates chances. He plays good passes out to the two wingers or to the striker. But he also runs. He also battles and wins the ball back and harries their midfield as well. But and McGinn a good player, but in the few games he's played for us, he hasn't really done that role because most of the time Cannon's been playing. He hasn't needed to. But yesterday, I think if Jacket had asked McGeehan to do the same kind of role that Cannon tries to do, I don't really think McGeehan was doing that. So whether that's Jacket not telling McGeehan to, to play like that and play in a slightly different different way in the midfield three, or if McGeehan's qualities are not the same as Cannon's or just different. Um, and so I think there's an argument to say that Jacket somewhat reverted to type a little bit because Cannon wasn't playing in the way that in the early season we'd play quite a defensive long football and the ball would just be going over the heads of the midfield. You wouldn't have that chance to to dictate the play from the middle against like we did against teams like Barnsley, you know, which was a really impressive performance uh, and Tramia to a certain extent as well. Uh, we we did dictate the play a lot. But it was, I don't know, it it was one of those ones that you could definitely see how it works and how it could have worked if Harrison had scored after he'd just come on, for example. It was a great save by their keeper and we'd gone 1-0 up. I think we probably would have seen it out, but that didn't go in and it led to the one lapse in concentration at the back resulting in the, the winning goal.
1: And it's fine margins, isn't it? Especially when you're playing teams at the top of the league. You know, Coventry, a good outfit, only only conceded ten at home this season. Only lost once at home and three times in total all season. So it, it was always going to be a difficult battle, especially in that empty ground. It sounded weird, didn't it? I I, I was listening to it, uh, watching it anyway on um, on the Sky Bet, and it was one of those things. Um, other betting platforms available, but <laughs> it was it was one of those things, wasn't it? That it was just that. I don't know, people who were at the game, please um please tweet us in at PO forecast because I'd be interested to know what it was like being a fan in the ground there. Because it sounded it sounded empty uh in you know on on the app, but you could just hear the Pompey fans. But those sort of games at a huge stadium, it almost had a training ground vibe to the first grade, the first half,
0: didn't it? Yeah, definitely. There was there was certainly an element of that. It felt in the stands, or at least from what you could hear from the stands, and also on the pitch, it seemed very kind of flat, almost a bit like a friendly in some ways. Uh, but the second half was a bit bit different, a few more clear-cut chances. But it, it, it did have that kind of feel, I, I agree. And, you know, there was 6,500 fans there. And there was about fifteen hundred Pompey fans in a stadium, which I think capacity is over twenty thousand. You know, and that the one end was completely empty. There were no fans in the end opposite the Pompey fans. Um, it yeah, it's just a strange experience. Um, I know not many teams in this league could could fill a twenty thousand seater stadium. Um, and also, I know the issues that Coventry are not playing in their home city, etc. But it is just a, a strange experience from playing at an 80% empty stadium. Um, no,
1: exactly. Especially right. when you
0: compare it to Front Park, you know, it, it, where there, there's 17,000, 18,000 people there every week.
1: No, no. But I suppose it's just more of a, an observation from my perspective, looking at the game and but you know they're professionals, and you know they just need to get on with it, really. But right, do you know what? Enough about Coventry. Uh, I'm done with the game. We need to look forward, Rob. We need to look forward. You know we're on a, we're on an amazing run here. You know no matter how we get the results, we know we don't look like a team that's going to be blowing teams out four five now all the time. But you know what? If we can get back on the on the momentum train, which is an awful word, but if we can get back <laughs> back, back back to winning ways, even you know, and have a look at the fixtures ahead of us because we have some absolutely winnable games coming up here, Rob. We have some fixtures that the players should be getting together. They should be they should be licking their lips with, you know, the possibility of, of getting some points on the board and getting our promotion track back on. And to that end, I went out and thought, right, I'll put it out there, guys. You know, how many points do you guys think in the next four league games uh, that Pompey are, you know going to get really and uh it was quite interesting rob because the games coming up are shrewsbury at home fleetwood away mk dons at home and rochdale at home now i said to people you know how many points think you'll get 10 to 12 7 to 9 4 to 6 or 0 to 3 51 percent of fans voted for 10
0: to 12 <laughs> That's heavy heavy that yeah
1: seven to nine um people sorry 33 percent people thought seven to nine all right so only so 11 percent four to six and there's a few bitter few people out there five percent of people you know who you are people (laughs) zero to three points if that happens mate or they just press the wrong button uh,
0: their 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 fingers just press the wrong button on the pole Maybe. They're all
1: Sunderland fans, aren't they? <laughs> they That's what I reckon it is. It's a bunch of Sunderland fans. But yeah, no. So, Rob, looking at this generally yourself, we'll, we'll see what some people had to say. But do you agree here? Uh Sam Stone just in. Cheers, Sam. He said 10 points is a long way to go. Do you think we should get at least 10 points in those four games? Well, I think we have
0: to... I mean, obviously, we have to aim for 12. Uh, but I think of those fixtures, you look at Fleetwood away being... Probably the toughest of the lot. Uh, if they they beat uh, they beat Wickham, didn't they, yesterday uh, with ten men? Yeah. Um, obviously, Wickham are are up there as well. Uh, there's so you'd think that's probably the toughest game. Obviously, we beat them in the FA Cup. Uh, they might want a bit of revenge for that. Uh, but the other three games, you would you would think they're they're winnable. Games against teams lower down, like in the lower reaches of the table. Um, and I think what Sam said, the 10 points is probably a realistic requirement if we're going to be pushing the top two come the end of the season because we've got 15 games left, obviously, because it's 44 game season rather than a 46 uh, because of what happened with Berry. So after that four game period, we'll have have 11 games left and if we're still in touch with the top two by a couple of points that's when it really is the home stretch we really have to grind out those victories uh from from well from here on in really but it gets even more heightened in the last 10 games where if you make a slip up there's not really that much time to to make it back
1: no, exactly. Uh, I think Ben Ellis agrees with you. He messaged in and said, beat Shrewsbury, Rochdale and Dons and lose against Fleetwood. I could see that happening. Fleetwood obviously good at home, but we've been up there and got a result, so we have to go fingers crossed, but you think maybe we'll slip up on one of those games, and I, I do agree with Ben that I think Fleetwood is the most likely game um, to, to drop points in. Um, Callum messaged in, Chase Callum, he says, 12 points up for grabs if we play like we did at the start of the season. I think he means earlier in the season. Uh, did, did,
0: did he say, he said start of the year, didn't he? I think he means the, the 2020 uh, spell. Obviously he does. Yesterday yeah, was our first good. loss in, uh, in the year.
1: Exactly. He says, in the year. I think yesterday was just a small blip. And if we got another one loss in 11, then promotion is 100% on the cards. Couldn't agree more, Callum. Um, and he's still going for hashtag ragged for Valor. So um, <laughs> let's see if, if he can do that. Uh, that didn't work, did it against Coventry, mate? The if Raggett scores were on the pitch, which which, which yeah. did work against Tranmere, so maybe the fans just trying to get something together there. You know, a bit of a good luck, sing the song, and it will happen. But well, one of our centre halves is bound to happen.
0: score, aren't they? One of our centre offs is bound to score. With uh, Burgess scoring three, isn't it? In recent in recent times, um, yeah. Obviously, it didn't work. Uh, but as the other song goes, Ragged for England. You know, he he's. Been a player that's impressed me over the last couple of games. Um, in how he's kind of been a lot more solid. Uh, obviously, he's had his issues throughout the season, and I think the fact that Jack Watmore's come back to fitness, I think there's that element of the real obvious competition for places now. Um, and I think that's that's also true with Harrison and Marquise. I know Marquise. You could know, didn't have a good game yesterday, you didn't really touch the ball though. Uh, but I think that healthy competition for places, over the towards the end of the season, hopefully you'll really see uh, the squad depth really come into its own. Whether those players that aren't on the in the starting eleven now actually play or not, or if they're just pushing the first eleven to play even better.
1: I'll, I'll go back to the ragged point, first of all, Rob, because I'm, I, I'd like to come out and really and say that, you know, I had my doubts about him as a player You know I had my doubts about, I mean, he's still, his ability on the ball, he's, he's keeping it a lot more simple now. I think Burge as well has helped steady him. The partnership's grown. You can only look at the, the sort of the results the two have got together at the back and you you can't doubt, you know, you can't really question it as much and Raggett looks much more like that no nonsense he looks a lot more calm when the ball comes over his head I'm not I'm not shitting myself now when a ball's played through in behind him he might not be the uh, you know the perfect you know he's not Matt Clark is he let's be honest or you know or even Jack Watmore but at the moment he's doing a really good job for us you know and I'm glad we've got him Uh, and if he keeps playing like he's playing now Jack Watmore keeps fit I think we'll be fine at centre-back for the rest of the season which is something I didn't think in January. I thought we had to go out and get a new centre-back. So, you know, for me, I'm, re- I'm really happy with Sean Raggett, very happy with Burgess at the back there. They're both unlucky, really, not to get a clean sheet against Coventry there because I think everyone would have been really happy with a 0-0. But going forward, we've got to preview, mate, because we've got two games to preview. So... Actually, let's just signpost this. So I don't think I mentioned it at the start with the muddle of playing different audio. So we're going to go straight in and preview the game against Shrewsbury, the first one we were just talking about. Uh, and then we're going to do a little chat about do we give a shit about the Leasing Trophy? And then following that, we'll preview Exeter. Right, Shrewsbury, one of my favourite teams in wherever the whereabouts they're based. Where are they based, Rob?
0: It's Shropshire, isn't it? Just That's the, the one. Over, like, yeah over that kind of way towards Wales. I remember, it being a long, I remember it being a long way away when I was potentially going to go when I was at uni in Leicester. So, yeah. <laughs> it is an absolute mission away, isn't it?
1: But, however, Shrewsbury are a funny team. We all know they're quite good at home. They're not so good away from home. And um, They're currently 17th in the league. I think they're a couple of points above MK Dons who have, you know, risen above the bottom dwellers as a tram there. They're not going to go up. They're not going to sniff the playoffs, but they look pretty solid to not go, not go down at the moment. They're a team that we should really, really be beating um, at Fratton Park in particular. It's not, I think at the start of the season, we lost to them one nil, didn't we? Is it first game?
0: Yeah, it was the first game of the season away. We lost one nil from a, there was a 25 yard screamer to beat. We batted them, didn't we? Yeah. It was, it was one of those really frustrating games where we don't take our chances and then, they they nick something due to just a ridiculous goal um, obviously frustrating that that was the way to start the season but I think it being so long ago so much has happened in that past what, six months that it's it's kind of makes no relevance now if uh, if say we played them six weeks ago uh, it might hold some some relevance but I think, yeah, as you said, they're the sort of team we have to be if we're serious about getting promoted. I know it's a cliche, but as well, you've got to beat teams at home. We we're still unbeaten at home uh, this season, which is a fantastic uh, record. And um, yeah, it's it's one of them. They've got some decent players. Uh, Obviously, they they pushed Liverpool to a replay as well recently in the cup. So they 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 have they do get up for big games uh, and obviously most, most of the time for, for the smaller teams in the league coming to Fratton Park is, is a really big occasion for them um, and I just hope that they're not the sort of team that try and make it impossible for for us to break them down uh, and play 10 men behind the ball because we all know that Pompey struggle with that sometimes uh, although this year we have been better at it generally uh, breaking down teams and, and getting the wind.
1: No, exactly. Shrewsbury actually have some of the characteristics that tram made when we highlighted the game. They're, they're not particularly good at defending set pieces. Then they're not great in the air, except for Aaron Pierre, uh, the center back, who was one of the players that was actually linked to Pompey in January. I think he was before in the summer, but he's, he's pretty decent in the air, but they're, they're pretty unorganized now recently uh, at defending those sort of set plays. So you know, if we can get, get a couple of free kicks up and around the box, which Shrewsbury also give away a lot of free kicks in dangerous positions in and around the box, which has sort of been a downfall a little bit throughout the season. It'd be quite interesting to see if Pompey can take advantage of that. There's quite a few players, actually, for Shrewsbury. I mentioned Aaron Pierre. I think he's quite, he's class at the back there um, for Shrewsbury they've got some players though they play the they sort of play a 3-4-3 system uh, most regularly anyway but they've played 3-5-2 in that in this formation they've won 3 drawn 2 lost 7 in the league so they've got pierre at the center of this three at the back the, my player that i like in particular for them is um oliver Nor- oliver norburn um he's pretty good he's he's an attacking sort of central attacking midfielder he likes to sort of um play the ball on the ground play little little passes. He likes to shoot from distance. Uh, he gets in. He's he's pretty good. He gets around the pitch, though. He also gets stuck in. So he's not that sort of pure, just attacking player. But so far this season, he's got three goals for them, which is second tied in the team. He's also got the most yellow cards at seven. <laughs> um, so he's one of those players, that I think, could potentially be a game changer for them. Uh, and up front, they've got uh, Jason Cummings. Um he used to play play for Nottingham Forest. I don't know if you remember him from Football Manager.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've played enough football manager in my time to know know some of these players as well. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the players you were talking about, Let's see the midfielder is like I've forgotten his name, Norburn. Sorry, yeah. you did you did just say it. He plays in kind of a similar way, I guess, to how Andy Cannon plays for us. In the way that he's that kind of attacking midfielder, but he also gets stuck in, Uh, he wins the ball back, he shoots from distance, he tries to get other people into play as well, Um, so he's a danger, obviously, Uh, but then, as well, what is sometimes unusual is that they usually play so up front, which is like through the middle, which... Modern football nowadays you don't always get, and so that might occupy Raggett and Burgess a little bit more. Um, the yeah, they're, they're a team that has the potential to cause some problems to Pompey. Uh, but like you said, in the same way, if they have the three at the back, they or three that goes to a five, it should, in theory, give us a lot of the ball. In and around the midfield, which hopefully, if Cannon's back, we'll be able to exploit that and drag the defenders out of position, and hopefully get get chances and put them away. No,
1: I think I think that's definitely a fair fair assessment. And Cummings is also one of those players that I believe he came from Forest in the summer, but he hadn't had a pre season; he'd been injured. You know, there was a lot of hype around him at one point, and then they basically just let him go. Shrewsbury picked him up. I think he started coming back into the team around September um, and he was playing a bit sort of a bit part uh, sort of role for them, you know, coming off the bench and, and he wasn't completely fit to start. So I'm not sure how his fitness is now, but I know he's been playing in games properly. So he's, you know, he's gone on from not being fit at the end of September at all to you know, leading the team with four goals up front. He's quite a poacher. He's, he's a good player. Holds the ball, so he's my player to to watch from a goal scoring point of view. So you got you got the spine there, Aaron Pierre, Colin Alberton, and Jason Cummins up front. Rob, how are you feeling about this game, mate? Are you are you are you feeling a an absolute landslide? Are you feeling a a Pompey win? Is it is this an upset?
0: I well, we don't often really thrash teams. I think the biggest win under Jacket was what the the five one against Bradford. I think that's right, yeah. Um, and obviously that is a thrashing by four goals. But most of the time, if we if we win comfortably, it's usually two nil or, or three nil. Um, so I think if I, you had to put me on the spot right now and make a prediction, I'd probably say we'd win two nil. Um, we seem to like that result, obviously. <laughs> We beat uh, beat Tranmere 2-0. And I don't think there'll be... If we do go two goals up, I I don't think that uh, Shrewsbury will have enough to necessarily trouble our defence because we'll kind of sit back a little bit more, make it a bit more solid. But in that same measure, I don't think we're we're the sort of team that if we're 2-0 up with 10 minutes left, say, to really try and hammer forward and get try and get a third goal.
1: No, I think that's fair enough. Looking at the stats, Shrewsbury have failed to score a goal in four of their last six games as well. Granted, two of those were against Liverpool, but if you look at home, they lost to Acton Stanley 2-0. They got a goal, but drew at home to MK Dons, which is pretty poor. Uh, we know the Liverpool result 1-0. They failed to score away at Rochdale, who beat them 1-0. They failed to score at Gillingham, who beat them 2-0. So... I, I got to agree with you that they're probably going to come out, and you know, a point will be a good result for them. Keep those points adding up, keep them away from the relegation zone. They probably will drop deep. I, I'm I'm entitled to go um, for for a three nil win. I think we're going to have to try and get out there at them. I think they're a poor team. I, I think we could go and get three. I was going to say two, Rob, but do you know what? I'll be different and I'll go three nil, <laughs> Pompey, uh, just so we can chalk it up and see. A little bit of banter who comes out on top for that reason, if you, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah, 3 0 Pompey. Uh, I think Ronan Curtis will be extremely frustrated at that game against Coventry. I think he'll get a goal, a couple of assists. Um, Burge back on the score sheet. Why not? Let's throw him in there. Get and... you some more money
0: as well from yeah, the yeah. bets you've on. That's <laughs> it,
1: yeah. Hundreds of pounds, Burge, from a few quid. My man, <laughs> my man. Um, get the vegan going, mate. That's all I can say. I, I, I will literally eat quinoa for a week if he if he scores
0: again. There you go. And, <laughs> you've got to, and you've got to get, get that clip and tweet it to him tomorrow.
1: What, me, me Burge, quinoa for a week? You'll, you'll eat scores. quinoa for a
0: week if he scores.
1: All right, Burge. I will try and clip this later, mate. I'll soundbite that. I will eat quinoa for a week if Christian Burgess scores against the mighty Shrewsbury. Um, cool. So 3 now. Rob, who do you think is going to score goals?
0: For, for Pompey, I th- well... If he's fit, which he hopefully should be, I think Cannon's going to get one. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I can I can sense a Ben Close banger if he plays.
1: I can see that for sure. I think uh, it'd be good to see Cannon get back on the team if his glute, ass whatever is wrong with him, um, <laughs> fixes itself it's and gets it's better. A, it's
0: just a professional way of saying that, isn't it? Your you glute.
1: Yeah, it sounds like he's just gone out for a massive curry and um, (laughs) hasn't quite recovered yet. I think Tom Naylor was chatting about the fact that he can now cook stuff that isn't beans on toast. So maybe he's been experimenting a little bit too
0: far. Yeah, he's gone very extravagant and got himself an injury.
1: That's it, he's done himself in. (laughs) All right, let's move on quickly. Let's talk about Exeter. But before that, yeah, we put the question out there because I'm generally interested to see what people's opinions are because we talked this a little bit to death right originally last season but let's be honest no one's even bothered talking about it this season as much as it was last season so what i wanted to know is obviously we've got extra coming up which we're going to preview but does anyone actually care if we win the the checker trade leasing trophy fa vars whatever it is competition or is it just another day out of wembley now well, quite a few people have something to say on this. Uh, the first one I thought was quite interesting. Pete Blackman, cheers for, rest, for messaging in, mate. He says, rest some players at the weekend for the Exeter game.
0: <laughs> I think you might have been uh, t- taking the, the mick there. But if the, the sentiment about that, uh, if we if we're just going to take that message at face value for now, I think I'd much rather get the points on the board and, and, and win the league game. Uh, because, obviously, if we were to have another season like last year here, where we win the Checker Trade Trophy, uh, we lose in the playoffs, that's a disaster, really. Uh, I think, it in, in, a, in some ways, this season, it has to be promotional bust. And, yeah, it's it's, it's nice to, to get this far in the competition. It's nice to give some of the younger players a, a bit of a run-out. Uh, but if you remember from last year he Jacket did that until we got to the semi-final against Bury and then put the first team out and we, and we beat them 3-0 so Jacket does take this competition seriously and obviously the, the carrot of going to Wembley uh, and also the carrot of Pompey may well be if they do get to Wembley having more fans there than there was last time because the other semi-final was against Newport or Salford uh, and with all due respect to them they don't have as many fans as, say, a Sunderland or, or, or Pompey. you know. So you'd think that if Pompey were to get there, they, they, they would, they'd have more ability to sell more tickets at Wembley as well.
1: You know when it's Salford, though, there's just going to be a load of plastic, fake Man United fans turning up from Guildford. Don't, don't you just support them? Uh, yeah, but how many will there
0: actually be? You know, yeah, if I'm there was, really surprised. I reckon they'll come out of the woodworks, mate. But if there was twenty thousand of them, and then ten thousand Salford, bear in mind they 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 get crowds that aren't aren't huge because their stadium isn't massive. Um, you know, that still leaves fifty-five thousand in the in the ground. So it's it's. But getting away from that, I personally didn't go to Wembley last year. Uh, us a point of principle about the competition, I won't be going to the semi-final. And I won't be going to Wembley if we get there again. But that's just my personal opinion, um, and I totally understand people that, that that say didn't go throughout the competition last year and then went to Wembley. It's a day out at Wembley, and I know especially my nephew went, uh, who's with my parents, and it was a, it was a great day out for him to go to Wembley with his his grandparents. Um, you know, and it. I totally understand it. I just don't want to go because I don't want to... I, for the, all of the reasons that people have spoken about and spoken to death about the about the competition as well.
1: No, you completely understand. I think that's... I think last season it was a little bit more heated, wasn't it, in between maybe the two ideas. I feel like this season has been a little less heated. I don't know if it's a been there, done that situation, but let's go to the people. They said, Bazem, thanks for messaging, mate. He says... If it means another trip to Wembley and let's go for it. We can make another record of the only team to win it twice in the bounce. Rob are you gonna get that on a t shirt?
0: <laughs> Checker trade trophy uh twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, yeah. Record um, break
1: like a half and half scarf, mate.
0: <laughs> well Pompey on both uh yeah, on both it. halves. Yeah. Um like we've Obviously, we've won the competition. If we win it again, it's it will put, uh, I guess, one up on the uh, the guys from down the road because they've only won it once. <coughs> so, so you know, it's it's that uh, as well, I guess. But like I said, I I personally don't think the competition is is worth too much. I'd much rather win that win win promotion this year, and whether that's through. The playoffs, whether that's through finishing the top two, I don't really care. Like as long as we go up this year, I think that has to be the ultimate aim. And I think the 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 I've just realised been calling it the checker trade trophy still. So the leasing dot com trophy. Uh I think that has to take a back seat to uh, a league campaign, which is getting towards the business end as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. We can't have anything distracting in that sense, I suppose, from, in my opinion anyway, we can't have it distracting from, you know, what is the most important thing this season, which is getting
0: out of League One, please. Because as well, if we were to get to the final, that would mean another postponed game on that weekend, which would mean we'd be playing another midweek game, which means we'd we'd be playing something like, is it 15 in eight weeks? Or Mm. something like that. Um, which is obviously a drain. It's much more of a drain than uh, a certain Mister Klopp was moaning about a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. And it's it, League One is it's hard work. It's a slog a lot of the time. You know the the game yesterday proved that. Two two of the better <coughs> sides in the league, and it was a slog. It was a hard battle. Um, and we have to be prepared to use our squad depth in that, which is why I think. Uh, next Tuesday shouldn't necessarily go go full strength. Obviously, you want to win. You want to win as many games as you can. You want to maintain the momentum. But I don't think you should risk playing a first eleven necessarily. We'll, yeah,
1: we'll, we'll get into that in a minute when we do the preview for the game. But Ben messaged in. Cheers, Ben. He says, I'm not fussed. Great if we win it. Don't care if we don't. Fair enough, Ben. I think that's I think that's pretty much my feelings on the competition. Really, if you, if you win, if you win it, great. As long as it doesn't come at the expense of the league campaign, and I think that when you're looking at that, really, and balancing teams, and we've got quite a decent squad now, Rob. I'd say in the level of we've got you know a few players that you can rotate in and out without really affecting our ability to you know to seriously win something like like the Leasing dot com Trophy because. The sort of sides we're coming up against, I think Exeter are probably the best side out of the three. Actually, we're playing them in the semi-finals. We should be be able to rotate. We're supposed to rotate a few players quite easily that we've got here playing, um, and I think we could still win it. You know, the likes of you know, why isn't Harness getting more game time? You could say, or you could put in Gareth Evans is more than capable of playing really well against uh, against Exeter. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying you know go mental and recall Adam May and start him in, in a centre attack in midfield. But what I am saying is let's get Haji and goa in there at right back, maybe. You know, just just let's give some players a chance. Um, yeah, moving on. Terry says I'll probably get smashed for saying this, but I'd love to see Pompey back at the Wembley. I'll watch us no matter what division we're in. I've watched us over 50 years. Nice on Terry, and can say the big del- uh, big days in promotion. Relegation and cup games are the most memorable, no matter what the opposition.
0: Yeah, and like, like I said before, like it's, it's totally fair. Uh, all people's opinions uh, about it, and it totally makes sense to me. I personally won't be going, but again, that's that's just just my opinion, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's one of them, isn't it? I, but like you said, I think the the, the Debate about it has got lost a lot less heated. Sorry, tripped over my words there. Um, I guess in part because we won it, but I also guess in part because this season the final wasn't going to be against a Sunderland or uh, you know Rotherham or an Ipswich, one of the teams that we're really gunning for promotion with. Uh, whereas it would be if we were to get there. It would be against Salford, who are obviously in League Two, uh, or, and as well as Newport, both mid-table League Two sides. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great segue, Rob. You're a pro. Because Callum messaged in, he said, wouldn't top the Sunderland final from last season with the teams left in the competition, but always exciting to watch Pompey at Wembley. So, you know, it's not quite the same, is it? Um, a few players, people who do... Uh, agree with boycotting it. Hugh Franklin messages in. Cheers, Hugh. He says, It's another opportunity for B team boycott. Hashtag that. Uh, Billy's Mullet says, No interest if you win or lose. Hashtag B team boycott. Hashtag boycott B teams. So there's quite a diverse point of view out there, isn't there? I mean, Andy Smith messages in. He goes, I would suggest ticket sales would be a good indicator of this. Anyone know how many have been sold? I guess into the Exeter game.
0: It's about, about 10,000 I'm seeing. Uh, yeah. Looks maybe like it might be a few more than that, and then you probably get a few on the day. So probably, you know, 14,000 there. You know, probably be a decent crowd. Uh, Do you think Exeter will travel up in numbers? Yeah, I think there might be a, a few hundred. Yeah. Um, again you have to factor in it's a midweek extra is a long way away Uh, but you know there might be some extra fans that live or work in and around in and around Portsmouth or London Uh, might try and travel down to the game Uh, so so you think that probably a few hundred They they are a quite well supported team for League 2 so in some ways in some ways the perfect final out of the last four in terms of big crowd, big atmosphere, would have been Pompey against Exeter. I went to the um, the Exeter versus Coventry playoff final uh, a couple of years ago, and that atmosphere was fantastic for both sets of fans, but Exeter were fantastic.
1: Exeter are, are, you know, a fantastic club in that sense. Obviously, they're, you know, not comparing them to us, but it's a city with one football team. Um, so, the, you know, they've got a lot of people there that would travel in numbers to see them. They've got the Derby, they've got against Plymouth, you know, sort of endears me to them slightly apart from how they play in let's 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 get into it let's let's look at exeter in more detail because it seems to be naturally progressing um along to to talk about that now is the last thing we're going to do in the podcast and exeter are a team that i actually like a lot they play they play some really nice football they get the ball down and they play quite quite pretty football as well as creating a lot of goals and opportunities Um, they play with a lot of width uh, Freddie and I, during the January uh, transfer podcast, talked about one player that I, I highlighted and particularly liked, uh, Randell Williams. He's a right wing back, slash right winger, slash right back. He's blisteringly quick. His crossing is absolutely awesome. He, uh, he makes a load of key passes. He's the player that when the ball comes to him, you're, you're sort of thinking, right, what's he going to do with it now? He can dribble the ball a bit like Marcus Harness on the ball. He's, he's very quick as well. Um, he can take long shots, and he's also uh, their set piece taker as well. So he was actually had a few, uh, quite a few injury issues early in the season, um, which was also uh, did affect Exeter's form. Actually, him being out, but you now he's back in the team, and and they are looking, they are looking really good. Just to give you an idea of how scores he goals he. as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's got five goals, eleven assists though this season. Um, so he's got the same amount of assists as Ronan Curtis, but in twenty eight games. So, you know, he's only 23 years old and he's a player that I think, you know, Pompey really will need to watch. And it'll be interesting to see how Seddon does against him on the left-hand side.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, we know Seddon has that quality as well as Randall Williams uh, going forwards, you know, and, and creating those chances. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Seddon copes with the what looks like a, a very difficult test uh on paper. Uh again, that is if seven plays, it depends how how full strength Jacket goes. I think he probably will go fairly full strength. Uh but it would be interesting as well before the game kicks off to know how, how full strength both sides are going to be. Obviously Exeter are third in the league and they're they're going for promotion uh they're currently ahead of uh Plymouth aren't they by by I think one point. I don't three know by three points po- I think. three points but Plymouth have yeah. a game in hand. So it's, okay, it. it's very close. Uh, and I think there's not much in the goal difference either. Um, Exeter have got plus 13 and Plymouth have got plus 16. So there's not much in it at all. And between local rivals as well, that looks to be a fascinating conclusion to the season there. Um, but obviously, they're third and only three points off the top with a game in hand on Swindon. So it would be interesting to see the difference between if... Exeter and Poppy are going to go full strength uh, as the the Newport-Salford, I would imagine, would both go quite full strength because they're both in that kind of mid, mid-table area where they're not really going to get into the playoffs unless they have a mad run towards the end of the season and they're not going to go down because only one team goes down and Newport, for example, are 18 points clear of Stevenage who are bottom. So it's... It would be interesting to know, uh, obviously, I don't know too much about Newport or, or Salford, so it would be interesting to to get that kind of uh, information off their fans, how full-strength they go in the semi-final.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Rob, so what I'm going to just quickly do is look at two players again for people to look at from the extra team. Uh, Nicky Law is a player that people might have heard of. He's been around for a while. Um, 31 years old. He plays in a cam role for them, so... He plays behind the two strikers. Now, he holds on to the ball well. His finishing is exceptionally good. Um, his passing is good. His his key key passes, again, so when Randall Williams is on the ball, you'll see him link up a little bit, but you'll see also that Law is the guy that gets things moving when the ball gets forward. You know, the play sort of goes through him in the centre. Uh, he's got seven goals this season, seven assists, so the only second behind Randall Williams He's the he's the man that, if we can get someone, Tom Naylor needs to step up and defend against him. And then the only other player I've really wanted to highlight for them, because they are quite an attacking team, really, um, is, and I forgot his first name now, is Bowman up front.
0: I was about he's, to say Ryan Bowman, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's he's 6'2", he's, he's strong, he's good at finishing. He's got 11 goals, I think, this season for them already. Again, mm. very good player. He's the danger man to watch up front for Exeter, and let's just do our let's do talk, our predictions for the game Rob. talking
0: about Bowman as well just just uh quickly he seems very similar to how Exeter employed Jaden Stockley before, when he was there yeah, and how yeah. successful Stockley was at Exeter obviously we know he used to play for Pompey and that kind of same you know he, he didn't do brilliantly at Pompey uh but i think Bowman is a similar mold where he's he's tall he's strong he works hard and he could score goals for Exeter which mm-hmm. Stockley did as well so I think it was like a direct uh, replacement they got him from Motherwell as well so he has that experience in the Scottish Premier League
1: he definitely won't be be worried about playing against our centre-backs in that sense he's a really confident player so Robert what's your score prediction of this game I know it depends who we play and stuff we've got 30 seconds to wrap this up what
0: you <laughs> against Exeter uh, against Exeter I'm going to go uh, a 3-2 win to Pompey
1: 3-2 win I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one. And who knows who's gonna score for in in this game? Because I don't even know who's (laughs) been
0: playing. So we'll go.
1: We'll go go, go two one. And we'll leave it there. Rob, it's been great having you on the podcast, mate.
0: Awesome. It's been great. Great to be back. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back soon as well.
1: Indeed, mate. Definitely back soon. All right, mate. Um, Cheers. Cheers again, guys, for listening. And until next time.